Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a really fun just pre-game podcast for the Penn State game. Finally, Auburn football is getting into the point that we are playing games that are real. I don't want to say I don't want to say that because it's you know obviously every game is real, but these are the kind of games that you look forward to. You can kind of really get up for the players are excited for it. It's not just kind of going through the motions as as much. You know, it's much more of a this team is nationally relevant. So we're just. Really excited about getting into uh, all this, but Wheeler, why don't we just jump right into it? What are your thoughts about Penn State football this season? Uh, Penn State is a quality team. I So here's the thing. You can't get too high. You can't get too low following this game. Penn State is an upper middle tier Big Ten team. I don't think they're a playoff team, so I don't think that Auburn's going to be in playoff contention if they beat Penn State. They're also not a bad team, so it's not going to be that if we lose to Penn State by a touchdown or 10 points that we're never going to win another game this season. Um, so that's where I think they are. They're a great measuring. If, if we beat Penn State, I think that we have found something on offense that tells us that we are going to be competent enough to go to a fine Florida bowl game, eight, nine wins. If we can't score against Penn State and the offense looks like it has the past couple weeks, buddy, hold on because our friend Rich McGlynn will have a fun time hiring a new head football coach at the end of the season because we will be miserable. Miserable. This is the biggest week for the offense. I think Brian Harson knows that. I think, uh, I think Brian knows Hey, these quarterbacks, I mean, we said it on our last podcast, these quarterbacks have been bad, and you got to figure something out. Whether that means that you let Robbie just go out there and run and run and run, and you never throw the football and you play the way the Army and Navy play, or you play the way that Auburn did in 2013, or you see if Zach Calzada's just a gamer. TJ Finley, isn't it? I'm sorry, he's he's not it. He's He's a bad quarterback. He's had a bad QBR against two really poor teams. He's had horrible interceptions. If you want more of our talk about TJ, you can go listen to the San Jose Recap Podcast. But no, this is going to be a great game. Um, I think environment-wise, it's going to be very similar uh, to an Auburn-LSU game because for some odd reason, I feel like Auburn-LSU and Auburn-Georgia are 230 games that get really hype. Well, I guess Auburn-Alabama does too because Auburn-Alabama is typically not a night game either. Um it's always weird though because it, it's two thirty, but it's in it's in November. So by the second half, it's it's a hundred percent a night game. So it's kind of a weird middle ground, I would say. 
Exactly. Early season 230 game is going to be your LSU game. So I think it's going to be like an LSU game. It's going to be plenty hype in there. Um, it's unfortunate that we won't get to use the LED lights. I think the LED lights are really, really cool. Um, but no, it's going to be a great time. The orange out is going to look amazing. I love the orange out game. It looks great on TV. Um, as far as the orange jerseys, I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't think that there is any way that Auburn ordered orange jerseys and it did not get leaked that Auburn ordered orange jerseys. That, and I think that Brian Harson knows that he doesn't have the equity with the fan base to be changing up the jerseys because the guys that hate him are the guys that hate the orange jerseys. And so this would probably not be the time to run out there in orange jerseys. Now, if he has a good season this year, I could see some orange jerseys getting brought in next year. Um, but the time that you order orange jerseys was about the time that there was a fake story about his affair and the entire administration was trying to fire him. So he probably didn't come back from Mexico, realize that he wasn't getting fired and say, hey, by the way, uh, let's change the jerseys. Yeah, no, that that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. I could be so wrong, though, and they could have orange jerseys. It would be hype. I don't know if they would look good. I think the student section would go crazy. I think the recruits would go crazy, the players. I think it'd be really cool um, if it was done right. The fear that I have, though, is that if they come out wearing orange jerseys and they don't score a touchdown all game, oh, buddy. We will never see them be, again. We will you never would see never, them again. ever see them again. There are so many times that Auburn has been better at football where it would be way less risky to bust out the orange jerseys. And this is not it. But let me tell you what would look really cool, Noble, is if Penn State wore their home blues and we wore orange jerseys and it was orange on blue, like when we played Virginia in the Peach Bowl, that looked awesome. And that would look really awesome at home. With the orange out behind it, oh, that would be sick. I um, agree. And, you know, and I, I really do think that the orange jerseys are something that a lot of the fan base like I, I would, I feel somewhat confident in saying that a lot of people want the orange jerseys. It's just people are kind of hesitant. I, I don't know if they're hesitant because it's just they, they don't really know the history. But it's just a lot of the people, a lot of older fans, I would say, are the, much more the ones that are not as big on the orange jerseys. But I do think that the players really want it. Recruits, you can see in our recruiting pictures, the recruits like the new stuff like a lot of the recruiting pictures guys want the helmets with the white face mask or the orange like they want the one that kind of pops they want the one that's a little different and it's not a diss on our uniforms i really like our uniforms but the orange uniforms would look awesome and i I think that i'm a very i love the traditional look i don't want us to bring out you know i don't want us to start wearing black or gray and have like a blackout game just out of nowhere these are jerseys that we wore before We've worn them around a little over 90 times in the history of Auburn football. Now, the ones that we would probably wear in a throwback are the ones that we only wore four times in the late 70s, early 80s. But I still think it's still a throwback. It's something we wore. It still keeps with the traditional look. I, I, I would be a big fan of orange jerseys. But you also have to consider the, so the first time, the first time the orange jerseys were broken out, 
it was a game that we were not supposed to win. It was the first. It was against Georgia in 1978. Everyone thought Georgia was just going to smoke us that game. The Auburn guys warm up in blue. They go into the locker room and they get back to the locker room. And the equipment managers have put orange jerseys on their locker rooms. They had no idea. They're going crazy. They're getting hype in the locker room. They come out, and it was kind of an anticlimactic game. They ended up tying. So it's technically, you know, it wasn't a win, but it's still, we weren't even supposed to tie them. We were probably supposed to lose by three touchdowns. And it cost Georgia a share of the SEC title that year. So if, if they had won that game, Georgia would have been the SEC champion. So, you know, it, it's kind of a, a slight, slight win. But regardless, I think the orange jerseys would be, I think that, that would raise pregame hype levels in Jordan Air Stadium to close to an all time high. I, I truly think the student section would come absolutely unglued if we came out on jerseys. And I think that would be an awesome sight to see. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think year. you have to do If you do it, though, you have to do like they did in 78, where you warm oh, up in the blues and you come out in the orange so that the crowd is still buzzing about the orange as kickoff is happening because it doesn't like if the crowd's hyped up about the orange jerseys two hours before kickoff, like, yeah, that's cool. But it's like, that's not going to help the crowd be louder. If, because every single person in the stadium is going to be at least talking and like saying stuff about, it's going to get like kind of, you know, like that buzz of like when something interesting happens on the jumbotron and it's like, everybody's talking about it. It's going to be, it would be so lit. I think it'd be awesome. I don't know if they would look good. I don't even know if it, if I care if they look good for this game. I think we need the juice. It's corn. Um, I've been watching as many as many clips as I could possibly find from when we wore orange jerseys, and I would just objectively like to say I think it would look incredible because it looked great. It looked great. It was so good. It looked amazing. I am. I've been a fan of this my entire life. I've wanted us to wear orange jerseys, and now the fan base is wanting us to wear orange jerseys. And regardless of if Brian Harson's the one to do it, I think that the fan base has come out enough and said that they want it that I think it will happen within five years. I, can I see. don't think it's happening this year. Yeah, I don't know. I do think that the picture from the graphic was the sleeve was the orange part of the sleeve. I really do. I thought that all along. Um, and then, obviously, Auburn uniforms breaking the news that they're not wearing them. However, if they're wearing orange jerseys, are they going to go tell the Auburn uniform guy, oh, yeah, we're 100% definitely wearing them? Not. 100% yeah. they are not. And so I do believe that somebody told him that they were not wearing them, and I do believe that it was a credible source. I just don't know if his credible source was being truthful with him. I will say from the people I've talked to, unless they are lying to everyone, unless they are lying to everybody that is within the football program, they're not wearing orange jerseys. If they wear orange jerseys, it means that there are like four people in Auburn that know about it, which would be one of the best well-kept secrets ever. But it's been a long time since Auburn's kept a secret that well. I don't know. I could see, though, the only people that need to know are the athletic director. The athletic director who would have said yes to this is now 
I don't know, playing golf at Auburn Country Club. Uh, Coach Harson and Dana Marquez. Three guys. That's three guys that need to know. At because, this point in the game, yes. The equipment managers would need to know by Saturday. But you could you could get you could definitely get by by telling the equipment managers the day of the game that they're putting orange jerseys there during the warm ups. I was about to say, you don't even have to get these orange jerseys shipped to the football facility. I mean, Dad how how big is the box full of jerseys for ninety people? I mean, he could get these jerseys shipped to his house and just drive them over in his F-150 the day of the game. It's not like you're hiding an 18-wheeler somewhere. I mean, as far as hiding a jersey, I think you could hide the jersey. And that's the only thing that makes me think it might happen still is that you're just hiding the jersey. Um, But I don't know. We'll see. Um, Let's talk about the game because that's more important than the clothes they wear. I agree. So Penn State, for those who don't know, started the season 2-0. and They had that exciting game on Thursday night uh, for week one. They beat Purdue uh, in a you know hostile environment, come out, win that game. Uh, and then week two, come out and they beat Ohio. That game against Ohio was not even somewhat competitive. Uh, the So just kind of a quick analysis on Penn State. Still have the QB, Sean Clifford. He's been there for what feels like ever. He's the guy right after Trace McSorley, and Trace McSorley was there with Jarrett Stidham. So that just kind of tells you Sean Clifford has played a lot of football, played a lot of Penn State football, kind of tore us up last year because we gave him 10 seconds to throw every pass. Um, so against Purdue, he threw for 282 yards on 37 attempts, four touchdowns, and one interception. And against Ohio, he kind of had a more normal game against a team like that, had 213 yards on 27 passes, one touchdown, zero interceptions. The biggest storyline of that Ohio game was Nicholas Singleton, a true freshman running back for Penn State, 10 carries, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. I get that it was against Ohio, but man, that is a monster stat line. And against Purdue, he really didn't do much. He had like 10 carries for 30-something yards. And I mean, it, he was much more of a average-looking running back against Purdue. But, you know, just saying, this guy does – they do have a running back with the talent to tear you up. And obviously, he's not as good as Noah Kane was last season, but he is still a talented running back that is someone someone to watch, um, obviously. Sean Clifford is really the biggest key to watch um, in this in this one. They don't have a receiver similar to Jahan Dotson, which is you know kind of a difficult guy to emulate. But they have Parker Washington as one of their top receivers, and then Harrison Wallace the third is kind of the other guy. Uh, fun fact: Harrison Wallace is from right down the road in Montgomery, and so you you kind of look at Penn State. They they were very similar. I would say they're similar to Auburn in the fact that their defense is 100% their strength. They have a really stout defense. The rest of their team is good, not great, but the difference is their quarterback is a significant upgrade from ours. And I think Sean Clifford is average at best. I'm This is not me praising Sean Clifford. This is just me saying that Sean Clifford is significantly better than TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford combined. Maybe not combined. Sean Clifford doesn't exactly run like Robbie, but – Sean Clifford is going to take care of the ball. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. He's probably not going to make a bunch of throws where you're just like, wow, that guy just is dotting us up. But if his man's open, he'll make the throw. 
And he, if he's got a clean pocket, he can stand there. He's not going to get tricked by all these blitz packages. He knows what he's doing back there. So I, I really think that trying to rattle Sean Clifford would be a huge thing because he really is the leader of that offense. If you can make him feel uncomfortable, you can make their whole offense feel uncomfortable. So that's definitely going to be something to watch with our defensive line. You know, we mentioned it. We either mentioned it a little bit last podcast with similar to the Iron Bowl last season, Alabama's tackles couldn't hear really. They couldn't really hear the snap. They were kind of having to go off of the movement. That gave our edge rushers kind of an extra step. That could very well be true again. I expect this to be an absolutely raucous environment. Uh, I really think that this is going to be a more crazy environment than LSU for the sole reason that it's Penn State. It's a team, you know, we haven't really seen, you know, like we, we don't have big team teams come to Jordan-Hare. It's a new opponent. A lot of people want this game kind of more than they want that LSU game from a pure fan perspective. So I definitely think the environment's going to be crazy. I think the defensive line is going to have a big day. Uh, but we either kind of kind of just let us know where you're where you're feeling and where do you think some of the biggest keys to the game are in this matchup? Yeah, so I watched the Penn State Purdue game <clears throat> and their corners are probably the strength of their defense. Um, pretty locked down at corner. Um, nine pass deflections against Ohio. Yeah, nine. That's I, I mean, I was watching the Purdue game and I was like, oh, this is not going well um, because their corners were making a lot of good plays. And, well, I kind of had a feeling going in that our quarterbacks were not going to be very good. Um, I'm sorry. I keep going back to the quarterback play. I feel bad. But also, I mean, it's the glaring. It's the glaring problem. Um, and then everybody was I mean, the running backs that they have were super highly recruited. So, no surprise that they have come out and played really well. Um, I think that Auburn's, though, built to stop the run. So, as far as the things that I'm concerned about are about Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford reminds me of Bo Nix in that if he's having a good game, like, he's having a really good game. And if he has a bad game, like, it goes downhill really fast. And so, if we can get him into that bad game rut then we're going to be doing pretty well. Um, if he comes out and he's balling the whole time, like we're going to get torched. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm not really – I mean, their running back is super talented. Don't get me wrong. But I think that Cam Riley has shown really good um, play at linebacker. I do think he kind of had a drop-off compared to the Mercer game and the San Jose State game. Um, I think that the thing that he kind of struggled with coming into this season – was making the right angle to the running back and not just getting beat around the edge and realizing what his size was. And I thought that in the Mercer game, he did a really good job. And I thought in the San Jose State game, he got caught a little bit, trailing behind the running back a little bit. I think maybe he wasn't expecting them to be as fast, but there were a couple of plays where he was a little bit slow getting outside and kind of got beat to the edge. Um but other than that, I thought he played fine. I thought that Wesley Steiner actually played really well. Um, mm -hmm. So the linebackers, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about the linebackers after that because I thought that, you know, Steiner was a question mark and Cam Riley was a question mark. Owen is Owen. Um, and I thought that both of them had really, really good games against San Jose State. Um, I think that Christian Robinson has done a great job with that group of linebackers. I think that he has really upped their game. Um, 
and they're all kind of playing above their head right now. So I'm not concerned about the defense. Offensive line for Auburn, I think it's going to be what it always has been. I think that it's going to be just fine. I would look for us to run a lot of – I think we're going to run a lot of pretty complicated run plays. Um, I think we're going to pull a lot of guards, do a lot of motion with the tight end, try and get a little bit of an advantage for our offensive line and get people moving um, because that tends to be when we're the most successful is when things are really moving. I, I would not be surprised to say a lot of like more traditional option plays um, or a trick play off of that little option – read thing that they did with TJ and Robbie on the field together. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a pretty creative offense because I think they know that we're not going to be able to just thud up on them and drive 80 yards. Um, we're going to have to do some interesting things. I really have liked um, all of our jet sweeps. I feel like have actually worked really well this year. We've got a lot of speed at receiver and just getting the ball in their hands has been really good. Um Someone that I have been, I don't know if he's really regressed or if people are keying on him. I feel like Shedrick Jackson has been unusually quiet um, since he's been playing. And then also, Coy Moore, poor guy. I don't know that he knew where to line up on a lot of the plays. It it seemed like he was getting yelled at most of the game when he was getting a, you know, he would line up somewhere. And I understand that some of it was probably motion because he would come back and block the edge sometimes but it it did not seem like he was the most aware of where he was supposed to be on the field um and i think that you kind of saw why he hasn't been playing as much but other than that i mean the receivers you really don't know that much because the quarterbacks have been so poor that we hadn't even been able to throw the ball um shinkers have a good had a good year tight ends seem to be kind of the targets that our quarterbacks like because they run the shortest route um, and then Javaris has been open on the deep ball for a couple of games. So that look for that to be something because Harson seems to like to take deep shots earlier in the game. Um, so I would look for a deep shot off of play action to Javaris at some point in the first three to four drives. I agree. And I also think with the, with how the running, with how the running game is obviously last year against Penn State was really when we saw some of the more creativity, from it, we saw a little bit in the first few games. This really hasn't been the case at all this year. We have been, I mean, as almost as straightforward as you can get when it comes to running the football. And obviously, that's not going to stay. Like, obviously, things are going to change. And I really think that this is going to be, I think you'll start seeing the formations with Tank and Jarquez in there again. Um, I really hope we see that toss. I love that toss because it seems like it gained positive yardage every time we ran it. When it was the tank goes one way, Jarquez goes the other. They fake the handoff to one, fake the – you know, it's freezes the linebackers. It's a great play. I think we'll see that. We'll see stuff like that. Um, we ran uh, early in the game against um, San Jose State. We ran that sweep to tank. And just by the nature of that and how the blocking scheme works on that, I think that could also be something we're potentially setting up to be a tank, throw the ball kind of play just by how the blocking scheme worked and how the tight ends go out on the blocking. It looks like that could be something that they end up changing up a little bit and modifying to make a pass play uh, in the future when they kind of set it up a little bit more. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think the offense is definitely going to be cracked wide open. I don't think we're going to be 
seeing as much of the vanilla stuff we've seen the past two weeks. I think they're going to open up the playbook. And I think, you know, I, I hope Brian Harson and his staff understand the importance of this game because really, if you win this game, it, it really changes the perspective of the whole season because whether it does, it doesn't matter how good Penn State ends up being, Penn State is a team you need to beat. And Penn State is a team that people respect if you win. Like if people, if Auburn wins this, people are going to look at that and say, okay, Auburn just beat Penn State. That means something. Then you have Missouri. Then you have LSU. Those games mean something. All of a sudden, if you can be 5 0, 2 0 in SEC play, even if the end of the season doesn't end up how it's supposed to, 5 0 at one point is good. And that that is showing that you are a decent football program. And from what we saw last week, being 5-0 and is an impressive feat with this squad. Um, so I think the biggest key for Auburn is T.J. Finley. I think that Penn State is going to sell out against the run to start the game. I think that Tank is going to – I think Tank and Jarquez are going to have difficult times finding holes in the defense. I think they're going to have a difficult time really having a great day unless T.J. Finley can really open up the passing game. And I, I really think that – and also with, you know, Javaris Johnson, like you were saying, he's really come on this year. You know, last season he was talented, but he couldn't really find his groove, couldn't really, you know, struggle with catching the football also. But I, I definitely think that if we can establish a passing game in the first quarter, then the offense will be open and we'll be able to start doing something because it's difficult, regardless of how original and creative your run plays are, it's tough to move the ball when they got eight guys in the box. And you know Penn State feels good about their cornerback on our receiver matchup, so they're they're not going to hesitate as much to have a guy on an island because they trust that he's going to be better than our guy. And so I think that that's a good opportunity for us because you know if you can have one of our speedsters, you know, get off the jam, get behind the defense, big play could happen. Then all of a sudden we're up. So I think that there are a lot of keys to watch, but I think the biggest key is how T.J. Finley can establish the passing game early. Yeah, I and you mentioned, you know, that two running back set. Um, I can honestly see Damari Austin getting back there with Jarquez to have a quicker backfield because Tank's going to get a lot of carries, I think, by himself. And honestly, I mean, Damari has been pretty electric coming off the bench because he is a really quick, he is a bigger and I would say better vision version of Sean Shivers. Um, I mean, he's a little bit taller. He looks more like when he fills out, he'll be an SEC back um, mm -hmm. with NFL potential. I think he's going to get some touches in this game. I really do. I, th I think that they're pretty high on Damari's ability to do some stuff. I also think that Tavares Dawson is going to have, ha have to step up and have a big game. I think you're going to have to use the speed that you have on the roster to try... I mean, you're going to have to try some things schematically, but I really think if you can go get that speed going, because that's that's got to be, I'd say, the biggest advantage that we have on this roster is we may not have the most talent football-wise, but, I mean, Javaris, really quick receiver. And then Tavares is also, or, yeah, Tavares is also super quick. I mean, he was a track champ. Damari lightning fast I mean we we have accumulated a good bit of speed on this team and I think that, that the scheme can really supplement the speed that we have almost like Florida used to do 
where if you're running a bunch of crazy stuff and you're freezing them for a split second and they're already slower than these speedsters that you have on the edge, then they get wide open. And then you don't need the quarterback to be as good because he's got 10 yards of cushion to just hit the receiver. Um, So I would look for that. I'd look for a lot of movement, and I would look for a lot of play out of speedsters to just try and athlete your way to a win. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I, I do – I really like what you were saying with Damari. I think that it it's very indicative of what the staff sees in him, that they look to him for the spark last – you know, last game. There was a time offense was just absolutely stagnant. They put Damari in. He busts off that long run. Then all of a sudden the offense starts rolling. They put in, you know, Jarquez and Tank again. And a lot of people were complaining that kind of Damari got the spark but he didn't get to finish it. But – uh, the way I kind of look at that is he was he was put in there to be a spark, and that's what he did. So he did his job. That's what they wanted him to do. That's what he did. They're going to put in the other guys because you don't want Damari to be your starting running back. Like, Damari's good, but he's not as good as Jerk Wesson Tank. So you want him to be a guy that's in the offense because he's talented. You want him to have a role, but you just got to be able to find that right role. And it, it also took a while for us to figure out last year – where Sean Shivers fit in, but you found out that he did. You know, you knew you kind of you found out starting in the little earlier stages of the season, you found out that he did fit the fit into the offense. You just had to figure out where. Eventually you find out specifically against LSU, he can be the third down back, catch out of the backfield, make some plays. Damari, they're still kind of in that phase where they know they want him to be involved in the offense, but they gotta find something that he can do that is a contrast to what Tank and Jarquez are doing. And I do agree with you. I think Damari is a really good option to be having in. And really it's indicative of Auburn's uh, really Cadillac Williams is recruiting that you have a guy like Damari Alston being your third string running back. That is, that's, that's impressive, you know? So I definitely think that that is a encouraging aspect of this season. If nothing else, something that we've kind of seen in the past few weeks, Damari is someone that we can look forward to, but I'm very interested to see how he kind of how he kind of hangs up against the second level of competition. Yeah, I mean he's he's a change of pace back right now, and I, I mean I don't know I think that all three of them bring something a little bit different to the table, and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that one's not good. Like they all have unique skills that are very helpful to the team, and they all three need reps. Um, because I think. From what I've seen, when Tank gets into the backfield, like the whole defense is like, yo, number four is back there. Like, watch him. And then Jarquez. So then you put Jarquez in as your, you know, goal line back because I, I'm really interested. I guess it's because Jarquez is so strong. But Jarquez has gotten a lot of the little goal line carries. Tank is a, Tank's having a good year. He's not been – he has not had as many as explosive plays as he did as a freshman, and I really think that it's because of the way that the defenses key in on him mm-hmm. because Jarquez and Damari have both had a little bit more pop to their game. Um, but it, like I said, I think it's when Tank's in the game, you key in on him, um, whereas when those two are in the game, you maybe are focused on something a little different. So mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see how – this game goes, and I feel like Tank typically does really well against high-level competition compared to Definitely. the lower-level competition. So, 
I'm really excited about this game. Um, just to see where Auburn is as a football team and uh kind of see where the season's gonna go. Yeah, I mean it's really just I think, you know, I said it I said it a little earlier. Uh this may have been on the last podcast that it is one of the most important games in Auburn football history. And I really do I really do believe that because I think that this is the turning point for Brian Harson. I think that he has the chance to flip the script, change the narrative. If he wins this Saturday and starts winning games, this is a game that he can say, I can win big games at Auburn. And yes, like, yes, we had some big wins last year, but this is a game. I think this is a must win. If you lose this game, things look really bleak. And I just am really I really think Brian Harson needs to win this game for his job. And I think Brian Harson's job at Auburn, like obviously, yes, as a head coach at Auburn University, and that's a big deal. But with the playoffs getting extended in the near future to 12 teams, makes a coach that can be in the top 12 on a consistent basis extremely valuable. With Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, the SEC is going to be a much tougher landscape than it's been in a long time. And that's not even a knock on SEC teams. It's just you're adding two teams Oklahoma is Oklahoma. They're going to be really good. And Texas obviously is on the come up, you know, hanging toe to toe with Bama. You know, I don't want to say Texas is back, but they look pretty good. And so that's a team that we're going to have to look forward to being in our conference. So it's kind of all eyes on Auburn. If this is the time, if Brian Harson gets fired and you hire another guy, that's you know, you got to wait two years for him to see if he can do anything. Then all of a sudden you turn into Tennessee and you go into a downward spiral of the program and quite possibly the worst time in SEC history to be in that downward spiral. So I, I definitely think that this game is imperative to Brian Harson and the Auburn football as a whole. And if it does lose, then all of a sudden we're going to have to start looking at a lot of different things. So I, I think that if Brian Harson loses this game, it's almost going to be riding on the wall. He's got to beat Georgia or Alabama to save his job. And so that's obviously a really tall task that you got to beat a top two team in the country on the road. Have to, to save your job. So I think that, that obviously that just adds to the importance of this game. But if we can move to the uh, slight degenerate gambler corner of this podcast, Wheeler. Uh, so the spread started for Penn State at two and a half. It is since it's moved to three and a half and it is now back down to three. Uh, Auburn has not covered the spread a single time this season. So are you confident that Auburn will cover the three point spread in this game and the over under at 47 and a half? Are you taking the over or the under for this matchup? Here's the thing. I really want Auburn to win this game. I want the quarterbacks to come out and have a better game. I there, I have seen nothing on the offensive side of the ball that makes me think that we are going to do anything on offense in this game. So if I was giving betting advice, no. Because, I mean, in a totally logical point of view, I don't think Auburn's going to be able to hang enough points on Penn State to win the game. I, I just don't. Um, I think that the defense will keep it close. I hope that it's similar to the Iron Bowl last year where the defense just keeps them down enough that if you score a couple of touchdowns and maybe get a turnover and get a field goal. But, I mean, right now, I, the offense has looked so, so bad. 
against such bad competition, and Penn State has a decent defense, and I understand that it's been vanilla, but gosh, I have a really tough time seeing Auburn's offense coming out and playing a really good game Um, because they haven't done it in any of their scrimmages. They haven't done it in any of their games, and I would love it if they were able to come out. Maybe the adrenaline of playing Penn State and not having a defense that's seen all of your plays, but yeah, I don't think they cover. You know, I, it's a weird situation because I don't disagree with you in really anything in this in this conversation. I really, I, I haven't seen much from the offense that instills much confidence that they're going to do something. The defense has provided some question marks. I, I think the defense will be fine, but you know, from looking at it from an objective perspective, it doesn't seem like. Auburn is a smart pick for this win, but I don't know. I've just got that feeling. I think Auburn's going to come out with a win. I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a really good environment. I think we're going to get a big win, and I don't know because uh, it's it's weird because whenever I talk with anybody about it, it's like yeah, I don't think Auburn's quarterbacks are going to be super exceptional. I think Penn State's defense compared to Auburn's offense is a significant mismatch. I just I don't know. I've got that feeling. I think we're going to win on Saturday. I hope so. And I do I do have the spidey sense that we're going to win because it just seems like what Auburn does is have mm-hmm. a couple of bad games, have a home game, crazy crowd, win the game in some ridiculous fashion. But you tell me to be thinking with my head and not with my heart all the time. So thinking with my head, yes. But when I do my score prediction, I'll give Auburn the win. Here's an aspect of the game we haven't talked about really quickly. Daniel Carlson, or Anders Carlson, has not looked the same on his field goal since his knee injury. No. I think that's a point of concern because he kicked a not very long field goal, and I mean, skin of his teeth made it. Now, the ball was really over rotated, so I don't think he hit it like he wanted to. But on his kickoffs, it's been kind of similar. And I'm wondering if he had to change his kicking motion to kick with the brace or if he's compensating because of his ACL. And that's something to watch because we do not have the kicker that we normally have, even with Ben Patton last year, because Ben made like a 50-yard field goal in the Iron Bowl, and I don't know that Anders can hit one from 50 right now. Uh, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it. I'm hoping that it, it's kind of just getting pushed down the road. I'm hoping that Anders can – I mean, you got to think Honor's going to kick some field goals on Saturday. I think you just got to hope that it's fine and it's just been a bit of an anomaly the past two weeks. If not, and he's really going to be struggling, you got to think about McPherson on the bench because, and I, I know McPherson, he's a freshman. There's a lot of aspects that go into that. The kid's got a leg, and you're not worried about if he can kick it far enough on a 50, 55 yarder. I mean, he's hitting them in pregame warmups all the time. Like, I'm not necessarily as worried about McPherson as I am about Anders. And obviously you want Anders to be the guy you trust him. He's been the kicker for a while, but I am, I do have the same concern that his, his injuries might have just really, really thrown him off. Yeah. So I don't know. I think final game prediction for me is 21 to 17 Auburn. I think I think 20 to 17, 24, 17, 24, 20. I think 24, 20 is where I'm where I'm leaning right now. I feel 
feel like Auburn's going to get a close win. Definitely think it'll be a close game, come down to the wire. But, you know, we'll see. And it'll be exciting to be in Jordan-Hare in a crazy environment on a team that, you know, hasn't really been to Jordan-Hare. It's going to be really exciting just to be in that environment. I'm really excited for it. But that kind of wraps up this week's podcast. We'll be back next week, obviously, to break down what hopefully is an Auburn win over Penn State. And we'll be able to just recap all the fun and maybe, who knows, maybe orange jerseys will be in the in the in the works, but I doubt it. But as always, thank you guys for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.